one of the pastors on staff here at Hope Church, and I am so happy to be here with you today. Today, we get to wrap up our series through the book of Daniel, How to Survive in an Upside-Down World. And as we've been going through this, remember where we started week one, and we kind of defined, well, why is our world an upside-down world? And what we saw is that it's always been upside-down. It's not that something's different now. It might have changed in how that looks, but we've seen that there's been division and dissension among people. We've seen that that division has led to things like violence. We've seen this rise in school shootings and other just horrendous acts. We've seen a resurgence in racism. We've seen a rise in addictions, whether that's alcohol or pornography or drug addiction. And all while that's happening, what do we see? We see that people are looking for help. They look for hope, but they look everywhere but to God. And so we live in this upside down world. Now, our hope is that as we've gone through these last 11 weeks, and today being the 12th week in the book of Daniel, that you wouldn't have just seen how to survive in this upside-down world, but you would have found tools to actually thrive in this upside-down world. And so, remember, as we walked into Daniel chapter 1, what did we see? We saw that God is faithful. He will continue to be faithful. He will always be faithful. And then we saw the need for introspection. We saw the importance of a confident humility. And we saw the power of confession. And then the book of Daniel took a turn into prophecy. And what did we see? We saw that prophecy offers hope. And we need that hope because it's going to get worse before it gets better. But last week, what did we see? That through it all, God is still God. We saw God deliver from the fire. We saw God deliver from the lions. And today, we're going to take a turn. We're going to see that God delivers from death. See, that's the book of Daniel. And last week, Rick walked us through these, these different kings. Daniel's vision. And in the, Daniel's vision, we saw these different kings. And what did we see? That Daniel's vision became a reality. That those kings lined up in history. We saw one right after the other. Until we got to a king that has yet to happen, a king in the distant future. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Is right in Daniel 11, verse 36, and then we'll jump into Daniel 12 from there. But here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to look at what's to come. We're going to look futuristically. We're going to look at those end times. And I need to give you a, a, just a warning here. When we do that, sometimes some of these things are going to sound a little weird. So if you're new here, this is going to sound a little strange today because we're looking at things that haven't happened. And sometimes that's hard to put words to. The other thing that you need to know is that I am probably the worst person in the world to teach about end times. But Rick didn't want to either, so here we are today. So here's where we jump back in, in chapter 11. There's this futuristic king, and the king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god. He's even blaspheming the God of gods, and he will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined, look at this, will surely take place. Now you say, it will surely take place. No, I don't know about that. Well, if we look at last week, what we looked at last week, and we see that everything that Daniel predicted became true, then why would we ignore Daniel's wise words here to say that this will surely take place as well. Maybe you say, well, that's, this is Old Testament. This is, this is something different. Well, then let's take uh, just a reminder of our New Testament as well. If you went after Jesus, 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you can read this on your own time sometime, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes this man of lawlessness. And what we see is that the man of lawlessness that Paul is describing here is the exact same leader, the exact same king that Daniel is describing. And so this is not an Old Testament thing and Jesus changed everything and this is not going to happen now. No, this continues forward into our New Testament. So when Daniel says this will surely happen, we need to be understanding that this will surely happen. So here we go. Chapter 12, what we see right in verse 1. At that time, at the time of this leader coming into power, at the time of this leader coming into rule, Michael the archangel. I'm going to stop you right there again. Michael the archangel, um, you're going to take that and just store that off in the side of your head for now because we're going to come back to Michael. Michael is super cool, but right now we're, we're not going to get into him, but hold that for later because we're going to come back. Michael the archangel stands guard over your nation. And he will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any other. There will be this time of trial, this time of trouble. Church world, sometimes we say this time of tribulation. And it's going to be greater than any other time. It's going to be a difficult time. It's going to be a hard time. It's going to be a messy time. But at that time, Every one of your people whose name is written in the book, meaning the book of life, go back into your Old Testament all the way to the book of Exodus, uh, in the Psalms, in the prophets, you see the book of life. And then in your New Testament, Jesus talks about the book of life. Go all the way to the end of your Bible in the book of Revelation, the book of life. And the book of life is simply this. It's the names that are written down that will spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven with God. And he says, those names will be written in the book. And what's he see in this time of anguish? That there will be people who will be rescued. See, Daniel's saying, listen, this is going to be a time unlike any other. This is going to be messy. This is, this is going to be horrible. He says, anguish. But he says, in it all, there's hope. And see, so we need to hold on to that hope. We need to understand that there's hope. And I want you to be able to walk away with this today. That the hope that you have is a hope that you must share at a time when hope is needed most. See, the hope that you have, you and I, if you're a Christ follower, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, we share in this hope that there is life beyond this life, that there is hope for an eternity, that there is hope in something greater than what we live in right now. And that's a hope that you must share. Not that you can share, not that you should share. This isn't, don't fall into that trap of convenience. But this is a hope that you must Share. Why? Because right now we are at a time when hope is needed most. If Daniel is correct, and, and I truly, absolutely believe that he is correct, he says these things will surely happen, then now is the time that we need to be ready to share that hope before this time of anguish. It must be shared. And here's why. Daniel lays out why. He says, Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. See, he says, listen, there's going to be a difference. There's going to be something that happens and some people are going to have this everlasting life. This phrase is so interesting. Everlasting life. Some of your versions say eternal life. This is actually the only time in your Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures that that phrase appears in that way. And so what it's doing is it's tying the idea of our life to everlasting, meaning God. That's what the Hebrew is doing. So being with God, in the presence of God, is everlasting life. And then the opposite of it, not being in the presence of God, is everlasting shame and disgrace. 
Daniel says, this is what's on the line. This is what people need to be rescued from. This is what we need to be rescued from. He says, those who are wise, wise meaning that you are acting in accordance of God's will, you are acting towards God's will. He says, they will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. I love that phrase, those who lead many to righteousness. You know, one of the commentaries I read as I prepared for this week, it said, the fruit of a Christ-centered life is new believers. That's what it said in response to that phrase. The fruit of a Christ-centered life is new believers. It means that your life and the way that you live your life is going to have an impact on someone else's eternity. Daniel says that those who lead many to righteousness, they're going to shine and it's going to be forever. Now, I want you to think of this because I don't want you to fall into this trap. This is not a numbers game. It's not about trying to get people to line up in front of you and say, hey, let me share Jesus with you. Let me share Jesus. You and I know there are people who spend years, their lifetime on the mission field in hopes of seeing one person come to know Jesus. So that's not, it's, it's not the fruit as in you have to have this abundance of people coming to know Jesus. But it, what it does mean is that your life is making that kind of impact, that you are planting the seeds of the gospel every opportunity that you get. And here's what Daniel goes on. He says, but you and Daniel, um, God, God speaking to him, keep this prophecy a secret. Hold on to it for now. Seal up the book. Sealing is just a preservation technique until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. So he says, here's the sign of when this book is going to become public, right? And um, that sign has uh, came and gone. That's why we have the book of Daniel. And he gives these kind of vague signs that people will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. And you say, okay, but when is this time of great anguish coming that Daniel was speaking about? What I want us to do is go to Matthew 24. And Matthew 24, it's a passage, it's actually referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And what it is, is Jesus talking about these end times, about the things that have yet to come. And Jesus gives us uh, a few different signs of what to be aware of, what, what to go through. And here's uh, some of the things that he does. And let's see if we can kind of see uh, how we line up in things. He says, there'll be wars or rumors of wars. Okay, Jesus, that one makes sense, right? Hunger and plagues. Don't know what you're talking about, right? No, of course we do. Natural disaster. In fact, some commentators say natural disasters unlike any other. Okay, check. Betrayal, deception, and hate. Right? And Jesus actually goes on to say, he says, um, there will be a lack of love for each other. He says it will be like your love for each other has grown, grown cold. And Jesus, he gives these signs as to what to be aware of. Now here's what I want you to understand, though. This is good for preparation, but please don't panic. Right? Prepare, don't panic. And here's why. Because if you went back in history, remember, history is our friend. History is a good thing. If you went back in history 100 years ago, people then could check off every one of these things. You go back 200 years ago, same thing, right? These are events that people have thought the end of the world is coming. And the end of the world, Daniel tells us, it is coming. And so we should be prepared mentally and in our hearts for when that's going to happen and how, and how we're going to uh, minister to the community around us. 
And so this is good to know, but we don't know when it's going to happen. In fact, if you go further to verse 36 in Matthew 24, what does Jesus himself say about these end times? He says, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. What's he say? Only the Father knows. So don't panic, but be prepared. If you are listening to someone or reading someone, someone or talking to someone and they're saying, hey, i got a pretty good idea of when this is all going to go down, that should be a caution flag to you and say, hey, how much should I trust this person? How much should I really listen to this person? Because Jesus tells us no one knows. So if someone is saying, i got a pretty good idea, I'd be like, hold up, like, let's rethink this. Let's, maybe I need to talk to someone else right now, right? Uh, so no one knows. You might say, but what is no one, what's going to happen? What, what, what is this all going to look like? That's where, remember, we packed away Michael and we put him up in our brains. We're going to come back to Michael. Go way ahead, Revelation chapter 12, the last book in your Bible. Now, what's cool about Michael, Michael shows up uh, in many spots in Revelation. Michael's just this amazing character. We're going to look at one instance of Michael because I want you to see how important Michael plays, but, but how important, uh, there's some other details in there. I want you to see this. So there's this warning. Remember, this, remember, I told you it's going to sound a little strange. Okay, so Michael is the archangel. He's the leader of the, the angels of the army of heaven. And he's battling this dragon who is the enemy and, and the leader of the angels of the enemy. So then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. So we know who the dragon is the one deceiving the whole world, what happened? He was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. There's victory for Michael and his angels. And look at this. They have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. And by what? By their testimony. By their testimony. Here's what I want to say to you. Do not underestimate the power of your testimony. I'm going to say it one more time. Do not underestimate the power of your testimony. Evil was defeated by Michael and his angels and by what? By the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus himself, and by their testimony. Do not underestimate the power of your testimony. Your testimony is one of the most important factors of your faith. Your testimony is your ability to, to share your encounter with God himself, with Jesus, and give that to someone else. Your testimony is the ability to proclaim your faith above all else and help people see why it's so important to you. Please do not underestimate the power of your testimony. Author and pastor Mark Batterson, he says it like this, when we share our testimony, we are lending our faith to someone else. You might say, hey, the people that I know, they don't have any faith. This is your opportunity to lend what faith you have and give that to someone else. And I want to walk you through really quick three ways that we can share our testimony, that we can give our testimony to someone else. 
Here's the first one, your story. This is the one that probably most of you guys are familiar with already. You tell the story of your life. You break it down into three parts. I'm going to go really fast through this. You're going to break it down through three parts. The first is your life before Jesus. And then there's that moment where you recognize your need for Jesus and the transition that happens there. That's kind of the defining line, the the middle part. And then after that, there's the transforming work that God has done in your life afterwards. And so you share your story with someone else. Now, here's what I want to say to you. When you share your story with someone else, first of all, make it somewhat concise. Sometimes you'll have an hour. Sometimes you don't have an hour, right? And so you should aim like five, ten minutes, hopefully, right? Um, The other thing about that, though, is focus on the third part, on the transforming work of Jesus. See, a lot of times we like to tell our story, and what do we like to do? We like to talk about all the things that happened before God. And I was going through this, and I was doing this. Well, you know what? Anyone can say those things. Anyone can do those things. But only God can do the transforming work that comes in the second half of your story. So focus in on that transforming work that God can do. The other thing that I want to say to you is, because I, I hear this all the time, and I, I know um, some of you guys hear this. Some of you say, hey, I don't have a great story because you know, I started following Jesus at a young age, and, and uh, you know, nothing's really happened in my life. I'm going to come back to this. Do not underestimate the power of your story. See, each and every one of us has a very different story. And if you rephrase that and you tweak that a a little bit, think of how powerful and how amazing your story is. What you're saying to me is, hey, I decided at a young age that I was going to commit my life to Jesus, and I followed him, and then my life has gone well for me after that. That's an amazing story that most people would wish that they could have. They would dream that they could have. I followed Jesus from a young age, and life has been good to me. Do not underestimate the power of your story. See, each and every one of you has a different story that you can empathize, and you can sympathize, and you can come alongside people. Don't think that because your story doesn't match up with someone else's, that it's any less than. Here's the second way. You share a moment of your faith with someone else. This is a way that we share our testimony. You might not have time to tell your whole story. Or maybe you show up at work and you're in the lunchroom and you've already told those people your story. If you start telling them your story every day at lunch, they're going to think that you're whacked out of your mind, right? They're going to think there's something wrong. This guy's got to lay off the crack pipe, right? So you have to share maybe a moment of your story and think some way differently. And so what that means is you look at those moments that God showed up as undeniably God. Those moments where you saw God and there is absolutely no reason that this could have happened without God. You show up at those moments, at those personal encounters with God, and you hold on to that moment. And then what do you do? You lend your faith to someone else. Let me tell you a quick story of when I had that happen to me. Before I worked here at the church, I I worked another job, and it was 100% commission-based. And my bosses told me, hey, there are going to be dry seasons where work's not coming in, and that means pay's not coming in. And I said, well, what do you do when that happens? Like, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, we can't tell you what you're supposed to do. But what we do is we drop down on our knees and we pray to God. And I was young when I started this job, and I was like, okay, but how do I pay my bills? <laughs> like, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And, um, and so, you know, time comes by, and, and uh, we hit one of those dry spells. And I can remember Lindsay and I talking. And you guys, some of you can empathize with this, where it's not even like trying to figure out which bills to pay. You just, you, we literally couldn't pay any bills. And we're having that conversation, and we, just, we have no clue what to do. 
And the next morning, I, I wake up and I, I go downstairs into our living room and I, I said, I, don't, I have no clue what to do. But I remember John and Jim saying that I just need to drop down to my knees. That's what I did, right in the middle of my living room. And I said to God, I said, God, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but this is what John and Jim said was good to do. I need to just put myself before you. I just need to humble myself before you. God, I have no idea how I could ever get out of this. I need you. And you know what? The next day, we just saw the work start flowing in. We were able to catch up on all of our bills. All because someone was willing to share a moment of their faith with me. I want to share that moment of my faith with you. Because that's changed everything for me. I am so much quicker to get down on my knees and pray before God now. Because someone was willing to share that moment. They were willing to lend me their faith. Here's the last way that you share your testimony. Through your life. Your life tells a story. But let's ask the heart question. What story is your life telling? See, is your life telling a story of someone that's been completely transformed by God, that you have received grace, so you give grace, that you have been given mercy, so now you can offer mercy, that you have been filled with joy, so you actually act joyful? Or is your life telling a story of someone who's miserable, who's bitter, who's selfish, who's greedy, What story is your life telling? But don't underestimate the power of your testimony. If you can get this right and you live your life in a way that it's telling the story for the power and for the the kingdom of heaven, man, that's that's a crazy testimony. That's such a good testimony. But you have to get your story under control. I gotta, we're running low on time, so I gotta get ahead. So, uh, here's what happens. Daniel, we're back in Daniel chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, uh, Daniel, he's having this vision, remember, and someone asked, there's multiple people in this vision, and one of them asks, how long will it be until these shocking events are over, until this time of anguish, until this great tribulation is over? And then another one answers, and he says, it will go on for a time, times, and half a time. And you, I read that the first time, I said, what in the world does that mean, right? We've got to break this down. A time is a year. Times is multiple years, presumably two years, and then half a time is a half a year. So you add that a lot, three and a half years. I don't know why he didn't just say three and a half years. That would have been way easier. But that's, that's what he did. So I want you to see this for just a second. And here's what I want you to see. That three and a half years, that's this part right here. We're in this present church age, and then there's going to be, we haven't begun the tribulation yet, and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation and three and a half years here. Now, here, I want to pause right now. Remember I told you I'm probably the worst person in the world to teach this. That's because of this. See, this is an idea of what's going to happen. Remember, no one knows. Not even the sun knows, not the angels know. No one knows. So I'm not going to, that would be stupid of me to say this is the way that this is going to go down. But this is, as people have pieced this together, this is a good general idea. But the reason that I'm the worst possible person to teach this is because This is not my biggest concern. Am I aware of this? Yeah. Do I like study this for hours on end? No, I don't. Is this my focus? No, it's not my focus. You know why? Because if I go back to Daniel 12, chapter 1, I can see that there are people that need to be rescued. If I go back to Daniel 12, verse 3, I see that there needs to be those who lead many 
to righteousness. And so is this a good thing to be aware of? Yeah, it's good to be aware of because this helps us see our, our urgency. This is what lights a fire under our butts, right? To help see that we need to actually do something. But all this tells me is that there's people that need hope that don't have hope. And you and I all know people who live their lives each and every day without hope. There are people that have no hope beyond this life. But even more so, there are people, and and there are some of you in this room, you live each and every day without hope. You you barely have enough hope to get through the day. And so if I'm going to focus on this, and I'm going to blow it up and put a poster on my wall and start making etch marks and do whatever else, I've missed the point completely. See, my focus needs to be on doing what I can now to offer hope to people who desperately need it. And that's what I'm going to ask you. Would you shift your concern there? Would you shift your focus there? Because the hope that you have is a hope that you must share. And right now is a time when hope is needed most. Daniel says, many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials. That, that, that time of anguish, we're going to see people that are rescued. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. He says, only those who are wise will know what it means. And then he says, from the time the daily sacrifice is stopped, and the time sac- the sacrilegious object that causes the desecration is set up, and worship, there will be 1,290 days. That's, again, three and a half years. We could have said the same thing all along the way, right? Um, and then there's this difference of 1,335 days. I get it, it's a difference of 45 days. We don't have time to get into that now. I can talk to you about that later if you really want to talk about it. But um, I want you to see this phrase, though. Blessed are those who wait and remain. A more literal translation would say those who wait earnestly. Blessed are those who wait and remain. And what I want you to do, I thought this was so cool. Daniel 1, remember where we saw Daniel 1? That God is faithful. He continues to be faithful. He will always be faithful. And Daniel 12, the book comes full circle. That a faithful God is asking his people to be what? To be faithful back to him. See, that's how we're going to survive in an upside-down world. That's how we're going to thrive in an upside-down world. He says, as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. See, Daniel was faithful. Daniel offered hope as much as he could, and then what's he do? He, he writes it down so it offers hope for those who have yet to come, for you and for me. And he did all that while living in this upside-down world. See, what I'm hoping is that we can take some steps into this week that will help us offer hope to those who need hope. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. um, There's a next step for each and every one of you this week. And let's walk through those together. So go ahead and take out a connection card. They're on the scene in front of you. Use your church center app, South County. I know that you've got connection cards down there as well. If you're watching online, there's a link that you can click that's got your connection card. But let's walk through these together. And here's the first one. That this week, I will take time and think through my testimony so that I have a better understanding 
of how God has shown up in my life. See, a lot of you, you can't share your faith, you can't lend your faith to someone because you actually don't understand your own testimony. You've never taken time to think through your story and, and to break it up into those three parts of what was my life like before Jesus, when did I meet Jesus, and what transforming work happened after. Some of you, you've got to figure out those moments of faith that you can put in your back pocket and save for later. And that way you have them. And you've got to, you've got to think through what were those times that God showed up undeniably. And others of you, you need to take a look at your life and what story it's telling. Now, this is going to sound a little harsh, and and please hear me. I'm not trying to be harsh in this, but I want you to hear this. That some of you profess to follow Jesus. You say, this is who I am. But your life tells a completely different story. And what I'm asking you to do this week is to think through, why is my life not lining up with what I'm saying I'm about? And would you actually, you're going to have to make some changes. This isn't, you're not going to be able to just identify it and stop there. You're going to actually have to make some changes so that that can happen. And so would you think through what story your life is telling? Here's the other next step. Some of you, you get your story, you get your testimony, you know how to tell it, but you don't necessarily share it. So you'd say this, I need to share my testimony regularly. And this week, I will share it by using my story, a moment, or my life. Can you get into the practice of actually sharing your story? Remember, it's not, it's not a convenience thing. It's not that you can share it or that you should share it, but we must start sharing the hope that we have. So I'm asking, would you do that this week? And then lastly, here's where some of you fall. That I don't have a testimony yet because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm asking Jesus to rescue me today so that my testimony can begin right now. And that's as simple as this. It's just inviting Jesus into your life and saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. I fall short, but I know that you paid the price for me. Would you have that conversation with Jesus and would you just invite him into your life? Would you begin a relationship with him and would you start your testimony and let him do that transforming work that only he can do? So here's what I want to do. I I, I just had a tall ask of you guys to actually go and share your hope and share your testimony with other people. And in just a moment, we're going to have some people that are going to be coming up here as I'm praying because we get to actually commission one of our new global partners and we get to pray for her and and, uh, just pray for her in that preparation. So they're going to be coming up. But what I'm going to ask is while that's happening, can I pray a prayer of commissioning for you? Because you're going to be going back to work. You're going to be going back to school. You're going to be going to your families. You're going to be going in your neighborhoods with your friends. And guess what? This this is hard. And we need God on our side as we do it. So can I pray for you in that way? Father, we thank you so much for the hope that you offer us. We we thank you for how much you love us. But God, the, the hope that you have given us is too much for us to hold for ourselves. So, God, we need to share that with someone else. And, God, I just pray for this church right here. God, I, I pray that as they walk into their homes, as they walk into their neighborhoods, as they walk into their schools and their workplaces, that, God, that you would give them the boldness that they need. God, that you would give them the confidence that they need. God, that you would give them the words to speak and the empathy and the sympathy and however they're going to come alongside. But, God, we send these people out. We send this church out knowing that you can give uh, each person what they need, the hope that it comes from you. And God, you've given us the ability to lend our faith to others 
for that to happen. God, thank you for how you work that way. And we just pray for each person here that they would have that type of boldness this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this morning we are excited to be able to commission um, one of our partners who's been here for several years now. And it's so exciting to see that when someone who is a part of our church family and God gives them that burden, that passion to actually go. And that's exactly what Suzanne has submitted to. She submitted to that call. And she's going to northern Africa to a place that we'll call Liberty. And there she is going to do exactly what Jesus called her to do. And what he modeled in Mark 10.45. Jesus came to wash the feet and and to serve not to be served. And she's going to join a team in that part in in northern Africa to do exactly that and share the good news and the love of Jesus uh, for this people. So, Suzanne, thank you for going on our behalf. And um, we wanted just to give you a a minute to share uh, with our church family. Yeah, um, this morning when I was doing my devotions, I... I didn't know what Justin was going to preach. And this is the scripture that God gave me. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I'm just so honored and privileged that I get to represent you as a church, as friends, as sisters and brothers in Christ um, going forth to bring the word of Christ to a place that is dark, to bring his light and hope. So just thank you for standing behind me and your love and prayers and support. And um, when we're finished with this service, Suzanne will actually be in the lobby. And if I'm still um, right, I'm thinking you're 85%, 87%. So she just she only needs um, what's 13 more percent, right? Is that right, the math there? Um, the 13%, that's all she needs. And um, maybe you could come alongside of her and say, hey, I can help. And my, you know, my 20 bucks a month can help and you can have a direct impact in, in her life. Because in the scriptures, the scriptures give us this model of sending, of the laying on of hands and commissioning, sending out. That's what we're going to do. One member from our uh, global outreach team is going to pray. One of our elders are going to pray. And then I'll close uh, this prayer. So. Beloved Holy Spirit, you are faithful and true. We have seen this time and time again in Suzanne's three-year journey of preparation as you have encouraged her heart in the times of trial and met her need abundantly and surprisingly as only you can. You have said that the harvest is plentiful and yet the workers are few. So it is our privilege to send one of our own out into a place where few have heard of you, a dark and difficult field. May we gathered here remain faithful in the task of praying for her and team unhindered 
supporting her through provision and encouragement, rejoicing when she rejoices, and weeping when she weeps for your glory and honor. May the prayer of our hearts be as that of Paul as he prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3. I pray for you, my sister Suzanne, being rooted and established in love. May you have power together with all the Lord's holy people, all of us, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As you go to share the good news overseas to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or imagine according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we just want to pray scripture over Suzanne in Deuteronomy 36, 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that Whatever you ask the Father in my name may be given to you. So, Lord, we just pray these things over Suzanne. We just thank you that as we've seen her grow in the last three years, Lord, that she has just grafted herself into your word. That, Lord, she has grown and just longed to be used by you in ways that many of us don't know how we could take that step. But, Lord, you have put that on her heart. And we thank you for that, that she is going not only on your behalf, but on our behalf. So, Lord, as we continue just to pray Psalm 121.8, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And Jesus, we are so thankful that Suzanne has surrendered to go. Thank you for taking this faithful servant and her willingness to present herself as a living sacrifice. And Jesus, we are praying that you are going to empower her on a daily basis. And God, you're, you are going to uh, give her the words that she needs. You're going to give her the power to live the life that will point others to you. And Jesus, we are, we are anticipating of hearing of a great harvest because of your willing servant and the team that she will be serving with there. Thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for how you're going to raise up this last 13%. And Jesus, thank you for your hand of your protection upon her. And God, we are anticipating 
that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or even think in Suzanne's life. And Jesus, we pray this in your powerful name. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, all right.